Welcome to the Media Cat Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Mike Pigger, editor at the magazine. Um, and for today, we've got another uh, pod in our series, Rebel with the Cause, hosted by Rankin's Opal Turner. For this one, Opal speaks to Ali Waring, a strategy director at BBH London uh, and associate lecturer at uh, University of the Arts London Advertising BA course. Um, they talk about the impact of the pandemic on students and what got Ali to where she is today. And then they discuss the world of academia um, and what should be taken from that into the marketing industry. So for now, over to Opal for the conversation. Okay, so welcome to the Media Cat Magazine podcast. Thank you for tuning in for the next in our series, Rebel with a Cause, with me, Opal Turner. For this series, we are talking about the relationship between creativity and strategy, or in my other words, art, science, and logic. It is my pet theory that strategy and planning can be a creative secret weapon and that we overly separate the disciplines in our industry. Today, we're exploring the connection between industry and education with the lovely Ali Waring. And Ali has just joined BBH as strategy director and is also an associate lecturer at UAL on the BIA advertising course. Congratulations on your new role and welcome to the pod, Ali. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. I'm so excited to have you and and get stuck into the questions today. Because what we found really interesting um, about you and and what you do is that your work includes both, you know, the day to day of the industry as it is at no less than one of the world's best agencies, not that I'm biased, and the industry of tomorrow um, when you're working at UAL. So can you tell us a little bit about you and what your specialties in in kind of both of those worlds are? Yeah, sure. So as you mentioned, I've just joined BBH as their strategy director. My background in strategy is in direct one-to-one customer marketing. Um, And that typically looks at how you grow the value of existing audiences rather than acquiring like a bigger volume of new ones. So not to say that the two things are mutually exclusive, but that's that's where my focus lies with that. And at UAL, um, I'm an associate lecturer on the BA advertising course and I contribute to module planning. And I also teach core strategy skills to our students. So that things that covers things like uh, insight development and brief writing setting objectives, storytelling, reflective writing, all that good, good stuff. Wonderful. Thank you so much. So I know one of the modules that that you work on at UAL is creative strategy, which obviously just because of the presence of those two words, I was immediately drawn to. Can you tell us a little bit about what that includes and and kind of what your your goals are when you're kind of planning what you're going to go through with, with the students on that? Yeah. So I contribute to the content of that module specifically, and it entails me giving my point of view when we plan it around how best to prepare students for a career in strategy agency side, because that's all I can talk to. Um, I personally found it really hard to get a job in in pure strategy um, when I first started. So I actually ended up in account management rather than strategy first, um, as is the way. So I do my best to provide some transparency around what to expect and the hiring process and then also the actual day to day life of a strategist. Um, So the creative strategy module includes things like what is the role of an agency strategist? You know, what, what when do they come into the process? What are they expected to do? What are their core responsibilities? What skills they'll need to hone? So problem solving, analysis, 
narrative building, briefing and presenting and all of that. And then we also try to, where possible, stimulate debate and conversation around those particular topics. So the, the thing is, if you, when you start to teach these things, it then becomes the law on creativity, the law on strategy. And we don't want that to happen. University is obviously a place where you come in and you start to question your lecturers, you question your sources. Um, and we all know that strategy and creativity are becoming increasingly fluid and increasingly intertwined. So there's a lovely sort of symbiosis happening between us and the students where we're constantly being questioned and challenged on what we're presenting to them. And our, underst- our collective understanding of what those things are always evolve. So it's yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, can I join now? Is that acceptable? <laughs> um, it sounds it sounds like a lot of fun. I'm so intrigued. So so it kind of sounds like um, kind of students are coming in with almost a point of view on these subjects or, already when when you are teaching them. So I'm really interested to know if you've noticed kind of has that got more intense? Do they question you more? I feel like there's kind of this almost atmosphere in the world right now of of needing to question more and more and more hashtag fake news um so i'm really interested to to know if you've kind of noticed anything um or any themes in in how students are coming to that process with you yeah well especially the i hate to term them this because it's not fair to term them this but they got caught up in covid so the covid generation that joined um, the first years that I taught last year, uh, they came in almost like a different breed of student. I've never experienced it where they've come in and genuinely been so intrigued and so interested, but also fully prepared for the environment in which they were bound to learn in. So before we taught it purely in in, in person, over COVID it was uh, all online. And now the intention is to get it back to hybrid where possible, but also preferably in person, because we do feel that it encourages um, more debate in that scenario. But the COVID generation that came in, they they were they were incredible because they had literally grown up and developed themselves in a space where they're constantly being told one thing and then another thing pops up. And yeah, but by by nature of that process, I think they automatically come to you with a more open mind. So almost like strong opinions loosely held, as we always hear, is the mantra of being the, the thing to aim for, already instilled in them as a value. And it was incredible to see how they started to question the source material and do the reading and come prepared with a point of view to the lectures, ready to have that with other students and with us as as lecturers. So it was a real treat, actually. I'd never I'd never really seen that massive distinction between like before and after COVID. But the students that came in the middle of that were, yeah, they've been incredible. That is so interesting and really makes me slightly embarrassed for my previous student self um because i'm not sure (laughs) (laughs) oh god bless them no i can't imagine how difficult even just being in your formative years at at, at that point must have been must have been for them but it sounds like they have really almost kind of skipped ahead in some ways in in their kind of approach to life and work and and the subject matter which I guess is a small light in the darkness of what that experience. Yeah, exactly. They they had to. Uh, it, yeah, they had. They were presented with two choices. It was like you can either keep up with this and push yourself and take it upon yourself to learn because that's the only environment that you're going to get given to you over the next few years, or you can sit back and watch it all happen. And the ones that really stood like stood forward and said, "No, I'm interested and I want to co- contribute and learn and develop," they're the ones that have have done that. So yeah, the the 
latest couple of intakes to the course have been really like incredible. They're all incredible. But that was particularly a notable cohort that came in. Um, I can't wait for all of them to take the industry over so that because they sound dope. Um, so you you mentioned um, a minute ago that you had a hard time finding a kind of pure strategy role, and I'm I'm just interested in in how you how you came across strategy and and how that was what you were looking for and just a bit about your experience. I'd I'd love to hear. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you the short potted history. So. I was a journalist and a writer for the first few years of my career. Um, I loved it. I did I did mainly fashion, beauty, celebrity type stuff um, in different cultures because I was studying languages at the time. And I had the chance to go and live in different countries and experience different yeah, places and cultures and languages. And uh, fashion was the thing that was a thread between all of those different experiences that I had. So I really enjoyed writing about that subject. Um, the thing that happened at the end of it was like I finished my degree I was writing and doing all that stuff. And I thought, you know, this is great, but Christ, it's hard. Um, it's really, really difficult to maintain that levity that you need to write and contribute at that level consistently. Um, and so I knew that doing something creative was what I wanted to do. But I also was very lucky to have this more logical side to my brain that worked and processed in a slightly different way. So I stumbled into a couple of internships, uh, ad schools, if you like, at different places. I did VCCP's ad school, which was bloody brilliant at the time um and that taught me that there are these people called strategists and they exist and Michael Lee walked into the room and uh gave us this sort of mind exploding version of like what is strategy and how do you do it and examples of it live in person and I remember going oh my god this whole time everyone's been telling me you need to take it you know either be creative or you either need to be logical you need to be a scientist you need to be an artist and there's this thing you can do in the middle what um, and yeah, it blew my brain open. So thank you, Michael Lee, for <laughs> explaining that to me. I actually walked up to him at an APG event and said, you you were the one who just made me feel seen and like ready to be heard. And he was like, he, he was, <laughs> he didn't have the words, bless him. He was so kind and so lovely. So that happened. And once I, I knew that there was this thing called strategy, nothing was getting in my way of doing it. So I applied to all the sort of grad schemes and all that kind of stuff. And that was a really like it's a really hard experience. Um, I usually would get down to like the last three or the last five and it would be me versus typically four other blokes. And surprise, surprise, I'd never get the, the internship. It was a, yeah, it was a time where there was a preference and I was not of that preference. Um, so I actually ended up going into account management in a fashion celebrity beauty agency. So that was a, a helpful thing to have done previously. Uh, and there was a bit of a hybrid. Um, when you're when you're an account exec, obviously you do everything. Um, but particularly in a small agency environment, you uh, yeah you learn about account management, strategy, content management, social media, like whatever. Um, and ended up doing a sort of hybrid role and going. I know I want to do this thing, and it's over there, and I've just got to go and pursue it. Uh, and eventually found a role for a junior strategist in a below the line agency called RAP, and they took a chance on me. God bless them, and <laughs> I ended up getting a role in strategy and it's just been onwards and upwards from there it's been yeah fantastic it's so interesting that you 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 describe that mind-blowing moment because I had a similar experience I had 
no idea what strategy was like in 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 my university environment um and you know it, even in the environment that that my partner was studying advertising design and that's how i kind of started to dabble in in this whole area and there was no there was no strategy there was no planning um it was it was so focused on design and don't get me wrong he had a great time it was a great course etc I just didn't know it existed. I did not know that this, there was this thing called strategy, called planning, and neither did he until we got into the industry. And then, God bless them, I accidentally somehow managed working at, at, at the Garage Soho under John John Higgs and, and Nick. And I was like, so what What do you do, Nick? I don't, I don't <laughs> quite quite understand um and then we would we would end up having these like three hour conversations about like philosophical rubbish probably I don't even know um and you know I think it was probably about a year or so in he was like do you know what I think you'd make quite a good planner and I was like what do you mean and he was like well you're quite you've got quite a fierce logic quite a fierce you know kind of logical brain and I was like I don't, I don't know what you mean, Nick, because I've studied art for my entire adult life and put all of my effort for my entire life into this thing called creativity. How can you suggest that I'm also a very logical being? How, how dare you? And then I was like, wait a minute, my sister calls me Spock because I'm that ridiculously logical at times. She literally calls me Spock, shout out Amber, love ya. Um, and I was suddenly, suddenly realised that maybe, maybe I had to be both because if Nick Kendall was saying it, it must be true. Um, and so, and I had a similar, very similar kind of mind blowing kind of, kind of moment. But it's interesting that you say that you were kind of immediately aware that it was kind of art and science at, at the same time, um, which I think for me took much longer. I think I was pr- probably trying to fight both corners against each other instead of figuring out how they would work together for too long um i'm just interested did you did how aware of that were you at the time that that they were kind of different parts of yourself and and did you ever struggle with with kind of owning those both parts Oh gosh, constantly. Yeah, constantly. I, I come from a family of creatives. <laughs> they're mortified that I'm a strat. No, um, they're, they're, they're very, they're very proud and supportive. But uh, the, the thing was when I, my, both my parents are designers um, and I knew that I would end up in something creative. I just didn't know what it was. And, you know, they, they both worked in different varieties of roles across agency land and client side and all that kind of stuff and they've gone well you might maybe you could get in by being an account exec you know some somewhere along that line but once I heard Michael Lee describe it you know they're designers they don't ever touch strategy really um in the mo- in the most literal sense in Adland um yeah I just I'd never come across it I'd always known that I had an eye for creative things and I tried to be creative I did photography a level and done really well academically in that space and there's a difference between actual good work and academically good work um so I knew I could do well there but when I thought about you know making that my life and becoming a writer I think I was just overwhelmed with the pressure that I would apply to myself in that scenario that I knew I couldn't I I had to be honest with you I don't think I could have handled it um I was much more comfortable leaning on my more logical side because I always had proof I could always come to somebody and be oh you don't quite understand this here's here's a thing to help you understand this and to help me prove my point 
uh, I felt more comfortable there. So yeah, that's what that's where it it lay. I think if I'd been purely logical, I could have been a scientist, <laughs> but I wasn't. <laughs> um, but there's yeah, as you know, there's a stereotype in Adland that strategists are the the brain boxes that get wheeled out when there's a problem to be solved, and creatives are the wild, untamable people that throw paint at walls, and they're the twain shall meet. But I think. I think I know where I where I sit. I just wouldn't be doing this job if I wasn't a creative person anyway. And I couldn't work in something that wasn't creative. It just wouldn't feel right. Yeah, I mean, I I personally think that if if you are purely 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 logical um and purely scientific as a as a strategist, you can't really be very good at it in our industry because you're not trying to sell a scientific idea you're trying to sell a creative idea and so it's just fundamentally is one of the reasons that I always struggle to understand this massive separation between the two because I'm like if they weren't connected we wouldn't be doing them yeah they wouldn't be in the agency um so why why do we keep doing this I'm 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 interested if you've noticed with your students at all kind of anything that they have noticed, that they've talked to you about, or anything that you think they need to know about the connection and separation between creativity and strategy? Has that come up at all? There's, yeah, there's definitely a connection and a separation between the two things, as you rightly call out. I think I've come to a realisation fairly recently in my career, and thanks in part to teaching, that I need to give my creativity more of a seat at the table. And, the, and students are, are brilliant at helping me remember this because I'm lucky enough to teach at one of the best creative, you know, universities in the world. It's you know, University of the Arts. So again, it's it's a nice orientation to myself to kind of go, you know, you know what, you'll do it as you say. You're doing this job for a reason. Remind yourself that you're not a brain in a box. You're actually a creative person, and she's allowed out. So um, yeah, I don't see her as being mutually exclusive to my role as a strategist anymore. It's actually a fundamental part of my job and what I do. And that can be, you know, anything from coming up with a new concept for a product or a service that could be developing, um, a new proposition for a loyalty scheme, which is something that I do a lot of. So again, it's just, it's creativity, but it's a more like logical application of creativity, if that makes sense. It's just allowing myself the means to go you are also a creative person, so have a go. And like I say, students are great at reminding us to do that because the ambition of the course is that they will come out the other side as creatives. There's always an opportunity for them to go and do other things, but first and foremost, the consensus of the modules is all about getting them to become creative people and to develop that skill set. So it's great to teach creative people strategy skills because they'll come at it from lateral angles all the time. So I'm constantly being questioned and it's fantastic. It sounds like a dream, dream job, actually. It's, uh, it sounds sounding better and better as, as you keep speaking. I'm interested then if there's anything that they've ever challenged you on, any questions they've ever asked where you've gone, oh, I hadn't thought of it like that because there is, you know, the nature of humanity, the nature of, of who we are, you know, you get into patterns and, and, and it's, it's kind of sounds like, you know, the students are great because they help, you know, pull you outside of that pattern of, um, of behavior that we so often do. And I'm just interested if there was any kind of little moments that you remember where you went, oh, I actually really needed to hear that because I was, I was so stuck in this pattern. And you've reminded me I don't have to be. Yeah, there, there's a couple of things that happen on the course. I'm going to try and remind myself of the two as I'm speaking. So the first is that as they're doing the modules, 
we give them a brief to work on, typically that one of us as a lecturer has done in, in the past life. So you will know intimately the, the response that you gave to that brief and you'll be convinced that it was the right one and that everyone was singing off the same hymn sheet. But I can tell you now, you're going to get 50 plus responses to this brief of teams of people on this course who will each come at it from a completely different angle and make you go, why the bloody hell didn't I see that the first time around? And you're sitting there going, hold on a minute, am I even good at my job? Like, I don't, I, don't, I don't know if this is what I'm meant to be doing anymore. And you have existential crises throughout this whole thing. But the the best ones are just that, you know, they're all pseudo strategists in disguise. You know, we're training them to be creatives, but they're pseudo strategists. And when they're able to provide like a laser focus on a consumer insight or or draw out a new perspective on the business problem, through creative means that blows my head because I, I I will never get to that final execution point my job is to help tee that up is to be a springboard for that um so yeah when they sort of dramatize the feeling behind an insight that's so spot on they've got the music or the tada reveal like something that happens you're going what that's in there yeah they they blow they blow my brain so incredible and the other thing that helps me as a teacher and as a strategist um we do I do a lecture on reflective writing which in itself isn't necessarily a skill that you need to do the job at the end, but is a really helpful practice, I think, for both creatives and strategists to reflect on an issue or a problem or something they've come across in the course that they've learned something from. And typically it's it's how to work in a group environment, which let me tell you is one of the hardest things to crack when you work in an agency anyway. Um, and you ask them to like sort of talk it through and write a paragraph or two about how they've come to realise it and things they've, they've taken from it. And um, the ones that wear their hearts on their sleeves and are just, you know, they're feeling it to move past it. They're feeling it to heal it. And I just when I listen to that, I'm going, I, I need to reflectively write more. I need to come away from an annoying meeting and go, how did that make me feel? Why did it make me feel that way? Let's get under the skin of that before I then go back into that room, like react horribly again. And yeah. And, and it, so the cycle continues. So those two things are really mind blowing. And the students are brilliant at helping me reorient myself back. That is that is so interesting um, and such such a great idea as a task. I absolutely love that because my actual next question was going to be, is there kind of any uh, tasks or processes that you take from the educational work that you do and apply in the professional environment? You know, those reminders that, that we all sometimes need. Are there any that, that you think professionals in the industry could also use a little reminder on every now and then God, a hundred percent um that I think we've talked about it already but that there's a natural defensiveness or protectiveness around what you know as a specialist and I mean that as a strategist and as a creative so how to deliver your craft um maybe because it's really competitive <laughs> and it's difficult to get into um but it's also not quantifiable so when I approach writing my teaching materials, you know, I'm always keeping it in my head like this is not the law. You know, this isn't how you do strategy. Uh, one of my mentors talks, they have a brilliant saying about how agencies deal in the art of the possible, not the permissible. And it's a wonderful phrase to help you get to the possible. The possible isn't standardized. You know, the possible is up there. Isn't it? We can't quite define what it is. So there's no right way of doing our jobs. There's no right way of getting to a strategy. There's no right way of getting to a concept. And I find that a really helpful compass when I'm teaching students. And I always say it to them, you know, this is 
this is coming from me. I'm one person. I'm an agency strategist, not a client strategist. And I'm not even a brand planner. I'm a customer marketer. So all of these different things, I'm encouraging them to look at it through their own lens, not the one that I'm bringing to the table. And I think we could all just remind ourselves that we're all doing that in our day jobs constantly anyway. Yeah, that's such a great point. It's the cognitive biases, right? Like we all have them. There's no getting rid of them. The best you can do is is kind of acknowledge them and and try and move through them. That's such such a great point. And I think even such a task like that, reflective writing task, I mean, I'm probably going to go away and do that today. To, to so we're, we're recording on a Friday. And so I feel maybe we should all be ending our weeks with a bit of reflective writing going, what what challenges have we come across this week? And, and how did we feel about them? And how do we want to approach them next week? Oh my God, I sound like some kind of um, life, like life teaching person. I'm absolutely not. Do not take my advice. <laughs> so on, on to the, um, the next thing. I, how, how do you think the separation and or connection between creatives and strategists? And I mean this in the, in the almost physical sense, um, of the creative department and the strategic department. And I wonder what, you think that the way that we have organized most agencies, not all, most agencies has influenced the work and how impactful it is? Because obviously, you know, as a strategist, as a planner, we're also thinking about effectiveness. We're not just thinking about pure creative beauty. I'm I'm interested in in that because I always feel like we can come up with great creative ideas, but if we don't use this superpower that is strategic thinking, then we lose out a little on that effectiveness, on that potential impact. And I just wonder what what you think about that. It's a really great question. I hadn't thought about this in terms of the way we've been set up to work in agencies, but it's another layer that I'll try and add into this. <laughs> the I, I'm of the I'm of the opinion that creatives and strategists don't necessarily need to work in sync. We don't need to work off the same hymn sheet per se, because effectiveness is essentially asking, did the job, did it do the job it was meant to do? Or how good was the work at achieving that thing? And sometimes the answer needs to be more creative than strategic and vice versa. And the difference will be when the team who's working on that, the team of strategists and creatives together recognizes that and gets out of the damn way for the other one. So in a sense, that can also mean connection because you kind of need to know when to step back to make room for the other discipline. I mean, strategists, I feel like strategy is always doing that. But sometimes I've worked with creative teams where they've gone, you know what? It's not worth us putting in some massive like salient idea here when actually the task is completely not asking for that. And we're like, I respect that. You know, I feel like I'm talking about couples therapy, but there's something to be said for that, like that really strong relationship between the two and not necessarily harmonious all the time. But we know how to keep each other honest and work well to, towards one another. So, um, yeah, it's it's something that I'd love to get better at. <laughs> I think relationships are constantly evolving um, and we learn how to work better in relationships between the two over time anyway. Of course, of course. I'm, I'm interested if you were going to start an agency from scratch tomorrow. I know it's such a big question. You're going to hate me. How would you structure it? Would you, would you, you know, to use your kind of metaphor, they're on different hymn sheets, but are they, how do you keep them in the same choir? Yeah, that's a great question. And I like your addition to the metaphor. 
<laughs> I try. I try. <laughs> well, look, I don't envy C-suite people at all. Like, I just the idea of starting an agency from scratch turns yeah, the life out of me. Um, but I don't know. Between creative and strategy, I think there could definitely be more of a shared focus on research. And I, again, I'm saying this from a strategy's a strategist perspective. Um, but to give you an example, I worked, I interned very early on in a company called Flamingo, who they're cultural researchers. Um, and it's almost like you're going back to university and learning how to dive, like understand the depth of uh, cultural, socioeconomics, semiotic phenomena that exists in our world. And there's just such a purest way, particularly there, of looking at how all these different things interlink. And they're not necessarily interested in coming up with the answer, but again, providing that springboard or that thought, that connected idea that is ingrained in, in the depth of understanding what all these all of these phenomena do together that will allow you to come up with something that you hadn't perhaps previously considered. So I always like to involve creatives in a research process because they will come on that journey with me and I'm not going to have to find a, you know, a cultural shortcut or a TV show to explain the feeling that I've experienced going on that research journey because they'll automatically understand it and appreciate it as well. So I think if I were to design an agency, <laughs> I'd definitely have more uh, researchers, but also encouraging that process of getting creatives in earlier to that space because they need to appreciate it on the same level that you do. That is so interesting. That is so interesting. And I, I'm sold. Um, tell me where to invest. <laughs> you can have 50p. Um, no, that is such a good point, actually. And I, I love that you made it about emotion. You, you didn't go because you need to understand the logic better because you need to understand how we've got from this a point to this point. You went because you need to understand the feeling. And I, I think that is one of the problems for me, at least with, with this stereotype that strategists are, you know, logical little scientific beings because so much of what a strategist does at least you know from what i from from my experience and, and from what i know is emotional it's behavioral it's psychological it's you know not only writing the brief but using a briefing to create a sense of psychological safety for the creatives to take it and fuck it up and come back and come back with like 80 different things and one of them will be amazing and that is a special skill that in my mind is such an art that I find it baffling that that we kind of keep separating them um but I would happily happily invest and all work in your agency so yay um I actually I actually read an interesting piece by Wonderman's Bishan Morgan and shout out to Nick Kendall again for for sending me this great piece and it's really interesting article because he suggests that strategy is kind of running adrift a little um and kind of he in in the piece starts to look back at at the roots of strategy i.e you know it started from account management which is interesting that you also started there um and and it needs to look back at that and the way that it works within the agency as a whole to remind itself of its roots and, and kind of find its way. I'm interested what, what you think about that. Yeah, I think a lot of airtime has been given to the idea that, you know, like all other disciplines, strategy has been hamstrung by demands on time, on money, 
Hence the move away from primary research to desk and one hour to write the brief, not one week and all that kind of stuff. But I think the thing that gets talked about less is that strategies losing some of its creativity which is why your podcast is is doing a job I'm telling you um and it's being painted as this common logical sense race to the bottom and it's just yeah not only is it sad but it's it's doing is out of a job I think Rory Sutherland's um book called Alchemy paints this picture really well because he talks about the over-reliance on data and logic and business casing so we can forecast and project rather than like taking leaps of faith and gut and heart and emotion, all that gorgeous stuff. We can literally project our outcomes and our efforts before they even happen. So why rely on a leap of faith, you know? Um, and I think it's it's a bit of a cover also for never having to be vulnerable, never having to say, OK, ask the hard question, say, I don't know, uh, try something. And like you said, fuck it up. You know, at its heart, creativity is a really vulnerable pursuit. And I think particularly in the face of time and in the face of money, there's no space for vulnerability. We have less capacity to dig deep and allow ourselves to really feel and really be vulnerable, particularly English people, because we're bloody awful at that. Um, and so I keep it written at the top of my notebook. Our humanity is an asset to our effectiveness, not a liability. And that's my orientation to try and keep my work on track. When I go into a really hard meeting, I'm like, just be a human being. Don't be a robot with your charts and your data. Try and be a bit of a human. Oh my God, I love that. That is such a beautiful saying. I need to get that in my notebook stat. Um, no, it's 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 such a good point, is and I you know, having heard you and having read Bishan's piece, I very much felt the same. I was like, you know, we've 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 read the reports that you know, there's less and less creativity in advertising. Like, you know, it, in ironically, measurably, there is less creativity in advertising. And so much of it, as far as, far as I'm concerned, does come from, from those ginormous pushes that we have had on us as creatives, as strategists, as anyone in the industry, that instead of doing, you know, one print ad and having however long to do it, we've got to do 38 different deliverables in three weeks with 2p um and shockingly that might actually affect the quality of the work baffling i know um so it's it's such a such an interesting point that that you kind of you remind yourself and i will remind myself now and hopefully listeners will resonate with this as well just be a human being because you're selling to other human beings so the fact that and also quite a lovely thing in in regards to kind of imposter syndrome as well i mean i often get imposter syndrome as as kind of a creative and strategist and kind of both and sort of maybe not either um so i love the idea that you're a human being so you show up and you're valid that's yeah. that's that's quite a nice idea um and i want to ask you one last question before before we leave you and i and it's be honest I think I know what you're going to say, but please be honest. Um, what do you think about my theory that creatives need strategy and, and can make better use of it? Do you agree? <laughs> uh, I'll probably do myself out of a job here. Um, but if we distinguish for a minute between strategy and strategists, I think do creatives need strategists? Not necessarily. Uh, but do they need strategy? Hell yeah. Because um, I think separating out the disciplines allows each one to bring their unfettered, you know, uncompromisable point of view, which can be really helpful in keeping everyone honest and not letting one or the other dominate. But if we only had strategists and if we only had creatives, we'd never get anything done 
and our work wouldn't work. So we do need the two to be more harmonious. Yes, I agree with you. Yay. <laughs> I really hope my cognitive biases aren't making me just pick people who will agree with me for this podcast. <laughs> if you disagree with me and you're listening, please get in touch. Let's let's chat. Um, but I, I, I absolutely agree. I think the, the harmony is what creates the magic. Um, or as John would say, you know, in, turning intelligence into magic. And, and to me, that's always strategy into creativity and one doesn't live without without the other um so thank you so much ali for coming on the media cat magazine podcast it was a pleasure to have you and i'm going to go away and do some reflective writing now don't know about everyone else snap <laughs> i'm going to do the same thing thanks for the reminder <laughs>